Hello, welcome to the Jew3 Project Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew3 Project. Thank you for watching another episode of the Jew3 Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew3 Project, and I'm so excited um, to be joined by another special guest this week, um, KB. Um, I, I want to, I'll let you give your full name, but I think most people know you by KB Heart Combos. Mm-hmm. Um, tell our audience just a little bit about who you are and um, the work that you do. Yeah, so uh, my name is Kristen Newton, but I affectionately go by KB. Um, it kind of came from being in the entertainment industry for the last 10 years. It is my DJ name. And so uh, KB just kind of stuck. I am, man, I live in Indianapolis. Uh, Heart Combos has been um, what people might call a passion project, but it's been something I've wanted to do for a while, which is uh, really just have a conversation around what community should look like, what relationships should look like um, amongst women specifically. And so, yeah, I just get on a soapbox on (laughs) social media um, almost every day and just kind of rant about what um, I think the narrative that the culture spreads and how, how it's a fallacy, it's a lie. And what I think, you know, God is calling people to, um, when it comes to relationship with him and within with each other. So that's me. That's what I do. Um, I'm, I'm pretty shoot straight kind of individual. So I'm looking forward to, to this conversation around friendship. Dope. Well, I first heard about you. I think Jackie posted something that you, you shared. And then I think you're connected with um, one of uh, the person who um, wrote our curriculum, Yana Connor. Yes, um, Yana. <laughs> so I first I heard about you through them and also I saw your TED talk. Um and I thought it was interesting that you focus on um friendships because most people that are married with children like yourself, um, I don't want to say ch- do you have one or two children? I don't want to say listen, that. honey, I have one whole child. Okay. <laughs> she well, said I don't want she more, said children. I don't I was like, more no. kids like you than you have. Um <laughs> usually focus on romantic and marriage and family relationships, but I thought it was interesting that you kind of focused in on friendship. Um, Why is that really important for you? Oh man. Um, Here's the thing. I think we have glorified marriage and uh, the boo and dating. And I think there's this huge, um, you're either like married or you're in, a singles ministry, like, and that's really it. Or you're like season, right? If you about like the context of church, right? And I'm like, there's so many other relationship dynamics that I don't feel like get the attention that they deserve. Um, but those are the ones that people are typically having a conversation around. And so for me, God forbid someone's not called to marriage, you know what I mean? They don't ever, you know what I'm saying? Like date and find themselves in a romantic relationship. What does that mean? Does that mean they have to forfeit intimacy and connection with others? Like how do they thrive in the context of community? And so friendship is the way that that happens. And I think that um, we see friendship in a ton of relationship dynamics uh, in, in the Bible. And so, yeah, friendship is just a, it's kind of a conversation that I think people think is lackluster or 
just kind of get the it gets like the short end of the stick. And so I'm here to champion friendship because at the end of the day, I really believe that if you're not, if you don't know how to be a good friend, you won't be a good spouse. If you don't know how to be a good friend, you won't be a good boyfriend or girlfriend. Like you won't be a good coworker. So to me, friendship is the foundation of every significant relationship that a person can have, whether it leads to marriage or not. So that's why I talk about friendship. That's helpful. And I think it's so relevant and so important. And people may be like, why are we having this conversation uh, around relationships at the apologetics organization? Um, but, you know, if you've been listening to Jude through any amount of time, we focus not on just informational apologetics, but incarnational. We want you not just to have the information um, to give a defense for the faith, but we want your relationships to embody um, an actual defense. And I think people struggle in this area of friendship, um, specifically like you're saying, because there's an emphasis on marital relationships um, in, in the body of Christ. And so anytime you see a relationship illustration, it has to do with marriage. And so people hone in and subconsciously focus on romantic relationships and let their platonic relationships go to the wayside. And mm -hmm. I think it does such damage because you can't have church community without strong relationships. So Absolutely. inadvertently, we, we damage our own community of of churches because we've only gave people the tools for one aspect of their life. Absolutely. Would you want to add anything to that? No, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I don't, uh, again, if you think about the amount of church hurt, church splits, uh, just broken relationships in the, in the context of the church, if people were being intentional about doing life-on-life uh, -life relationships in a very authentic way and were as intentional in those relationships as they tend to be when they're dating someone or even investing in their marriage, and I'm not saying that the uh it's i'm not saying it's quantifiable or or even qualitative like the same work that me and my husband might do is the same work that me and my my friends do but i almost would say that is true the same intentionality that me and mike have in order for our relationship to be healthy is the exact same amount of intentionality that i need to have or at least and again it's not quantifiable but i need to be just as intentional in every other relationship dynamic because what makes my marriage work is the exact same thing that makes other relationships work with the exception of sex. <laughs> like with the exception of the physical, you know what I'm saying? Like intimacy in that way. Listen, it's the, it's the same thing. It's, it's having the conversations over and over again. It's, it's asking the person like how they are. It's that vulnerability. It's that transparency. It's the, the honesty. It's the pointing out the, the bad habits and the elephants in the room and all that stuff, which again is what the acronym of heart even stands for when it comes to heart combo. So we're, we're having, conversations in one context but not the other and, I, and you see it you see it all the time in the context in the context of the church and I just don't understand how the, how those things can coexist how we can have the ministry of reconciliation but we're not yet reconciled with one another and we're doing ministry together and we're fellowshipping every Sunday or it, it doesn't make any sense to me so yeah I agree with what you said <laughs> <laughs> so uh let's dive into it uh one of the things that comes up a lot in the new year is the cutting off people. And there's a meme that I, I reposted and it says, if you're cutting off people every year, it's you go to therapy. Listen, um, <laughs> ain't that a word. Um, but I, it, it, while it is humorous, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And this, even in church culture, you hear like, I have to go to another level and I have to cut people off. And I always think it's interesting because we are the body of Christ. So, 
you don't say in the natural, I got to cut my leg off for my whole body to be elevated. Um, but we do it in the spiritual sense all the time as if we don't need each other. And I know some relationships are very toxic and it's, but I think there's very few relationships that, that are toxic compared to the amount that we say are toxic. Some are just, we don't like dealing with or having the heart combos, as you say. Um, what would you say is actually toxicity that you've seen in friendships that we need to be aware of versus what we label as toxic that's that's actually not? Um, here's the thing. I think people are labeling relationships or people as toxic if they don't agree with them, they don't have the same mindset as they have, if the person's not as mature as they are, if their work ethic is not where they are, essentially. Um, People are like, oh, they, they're toxic for me because they're not where I am or they're not bringing me up. Like they're not, you know, helping me to get where I want to go to this next level. And I think a lot of that is just an excuse for not having the conversation around expectations. So, again, if you have the expectation for a certain relationship to elevate you, you should probably tell that person <laughs> so that that person is aware that you have an expectation of them to elevate you. And like. A relationship have an issue with a person bringing their baggage into a relationship you need to say that you, you need to say hey in in our relationship i'm not really cool with you bearing your soul or bearing your your junk or your drama or there's no space here for you to be uh flawed or inconsistent or whatever but when people see people's humanity their inconsistency uh, their differences they're like oh that's toxic because <laughs> again a lack of expectations communicated a lack of boundaries communicated. Um, again, it, it's just easier to do that. It's easier for me to just put it on you and to cut you off because this makes me uncomfortable. This is really, really hard or whatever than to actually have the conversation and to, and to work through it or to prefer you or to maybe understand that what, what I bring to our relationship dynamic is not just for my own gain, but maybe it's for your benefit, you know? And so when people aren't having those conversations and they have one perspective about what relationship should look like or health should look like, then they just throw people in this other category of like, oh, you must be toxic. Uh, and that's not what toxicity is. I think toxic, uh, something that is toxic in a relationship dynamic is a person who is not only in a place of unhealth, but they're aware of their unhealth and they are unwilling to grow. That is a toxic person to me, just simply put. Because everybody's got issues, everybody's got blind spots, everybody's got junk. So if that if that's the qualification for being toxic, then ain't nobody doing life with nobody. But if a person has is unhealthy or has bad habits or whatever, and y'all are in a relationship dynamic or community where you're there's freedom to call that stuff out, and the person can be made aware of that, and then be given space to grow and develop over time. Listen. That's just life. That's every relation. That to me is what relationship is, you know. But if if a person is unwilling to grow, as a result of being made aware of their bad habits, then yes, you are toxic. You're making excuses for your unhealth. You're not willing to address your unhealth. You don't care who is affected by your unhealth. That is a toxic person, to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes perfect sense. And I think that's helpful. And I think most people know that an ideal but they don't know they don't know how to practice it. I think where the rubber meets the road for many people is they don't know what that heart combo 
looks like in relationship to expectation because we're in a culture where we think things should be free flowing. So when you're in a relationship, like you think about a romantic relationship and you go on the first date, you there's questions that you've been programmed to ask um, about your family, about childhood that if you're most people as they mature, they ask these questions. Now, when you're dating in high school or college, you might have just been like, we vibe, so we going. But you're very intentional as you have failed dating relationships to ask questions up front. So you'll know what you're dealing with, know the kind of baggage that you're dealing with. Friendship, we think, should be free flowing. So I shouldn't have that expectation of what the relationship should be. If they're going to be a quote unquote best friend, it should form naturally. If they're going to be, you know, a colleague, it should form naturally. And we base all of that off natural progression. And so the intentional conversations aren't there. And then I think because we live in a hyper-sexualized culture, that sometimes if, if people are asking those intentional questions, it may seem a little too romantic in a sense, if that makes sense, because we live in this culture that is hyper uh, sexualized. So anything that seems to be intentional about forming intimacy, because culture has um, created intimacy as as a synonym for sex, people don't understand intimacy outside of that dynamic. So and it's not and it's not okay. It's not okay. (laughs) That 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 is the lie. And, and I think if people, it, again, as I continue to try to just call, like blow the horn on it, like that is the lie that intentionality is reserved for romantic relationships. Um, forgiveness, connection, uh, confession is reserved for like the people super close to me, which the only people who are super close to me are my booze or bae or my husband or my wife. That's a problem. Like that's a that's a problem. We were not designed to only thrive in that way in those relationship dynamics. And so I think to your point, like you're you're making an incredible point. I think you're making it very plain. And I just want to I just want to uh, to say all of what you said is a lie, <laughs> and is why is why people struggle now. Um, and talking about like, know how to have conversations and you know like in the first place. The, the acronym, so the, the platform that I've created is called Heart Combos. The acronym, the heart is an acronym for honesty, elephant sized, authentic, real, transparent. And essentially, if a person under, like knows what the acronym is, they can use the acronym as kind of like a starting point for what kind of conversations they should have. In your relationship, you should, whether you're dating somebody or not, in every relationship, you, y'all should be practicing honesty. There should be space for people to tell each other the truth. If you feel like you cannot, you have to lie to somebody, <laughs> because, like in order for the relationship to, to be okay or not to rock the boat, like that's a problem. So there should be freedom to be honest. Elephant's eyes kind of is twofold. It's, it has to do with being able to address the elephant in the room, like issues that don't nobody want to talk about, but we all see are here, but also to address elephant's issues our lives again hard or difficult so there's that authentic has to do with you showing up in relationship as your most authentic self so if you don't feel like you can be who you are with a person like you have to kind of alter yourself or be some contrived version of yourself that's not okay either so authenticity uh, real has to do with addressing real issues in real time so not holding grudges like when conflict comes up like let's address this let's deal with this right now um 
And then transparency has to do with allowing people to see through to the things that they would not typically see unless you expose them. And so that's a, I just, I say that for the first half of your, your question, like uh, that, that you kind of brought up. And that is that people just don't know how to have those conversations. And I think if you can understand what the acronym is, that that can be at least a starting block for, for being intentional around certain conversations. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's helpful um, because I think people are in a space where there is, uh, I've seen in my own friendships dynamics, especially when you're in relationships with people who are opposite personalities, conflict tends to have kind of two dynamics. If you're opposites, uh, I can think of one of the most recent conflicts I had with a friend. That friend is a more, um, more turn up when angry, I'm more turned down. So I go inward. And I could be, I could just be like, okay, and I could shut down while that person may be kind of like rah, rah, rah. Um, but that's just how, that's our different personality dynamics. So we're both angry. We just express it different. Um, so when you're having those kind of conversations, it's, it's very interesting because personalities and how people handle anger are very different. And so you have to be like cognizant of taking the person that may be internal and saying, okay, they don't care versus a person that external meaning like they care too much. And it could be equal care, it's just different expressions of it. Um, have you seen that in your own personal relationships? Oh yeah, I'm definitely the turn up friend. <laughs> like, and that is how you will know that I care. You know, it's often uh, a misconception of people with outward personalities who, who get really uh, emotional or loud or more expressive when they're bothered by something or really want or passionate about something um, that they're just angry and irate and there's no, you know, they, they have ill intent and that they don't want to listen and all that. And it's like, no, it's like, I actually, if I'm actually giving you anything, like it's because I actually care and there's a desire for me to fight for us or for clarity. Um, and I just am more, um, fight about it than I am flight. Whereas other people, like you were saying with your own personality, like you, you kind of go inward, you maybe flight from it. You know what I mean? You don't want to stir the pot. Um, I think the key in regardless of who you are <clears throat> is to make sure that y'all have communicated that to one another. So if you are inward, you just need to communicate that to your, to your community. Like, Hey, when I get frustrated, when I get flustered, when I'm upset, when I'm disappointed, whatever it might be, I typically go inward and I need to process internally first before I have a conversation. Letting letting a friend like me know that is very, very helpful because then I, I will not assume that you're not invested because people like me maybe can interpret someone who goes in as a person who doesn't, like you don't care. Like you're like, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, you don't care. Like, you don't care. You don't want to go there with me. You don't want to fight for us. You don't want to fight for clarity in this thing. That's not the case. You might just need time to process. Um, likewise, on the other side, if a person knows like, oh, Kristen's not mad. She's, this is just how she expresses her care or that she's invested in something. Um, then when I do get loud or I have something to say, they're not like, oh, like she's, she's angry or she's trying to start a conflict or anything. Like, like no, I'm fighting for understanding. I'm not. So I think having those conversations and informing one another like hey this is where I'm at this is where you are this is what I need uh, when things like this happen this is if you can just give me some space I'll, I'll come back to it within an hour or the next day or whatever you know and so 
people just got to have those conversations. Otherwise, what we do is we just keep missing one another. And you know what I mean? And if nobody's ever going to address it, then we eventually get tired of the other person. And we've concluded all these things in our head about them and their intention. And now we're like, yeah, I don't need this. So I'd rather move on. Mm-hmm. One of the, I think the challenging things about relationship is um, triggers and trauma and how we process them and maybe unload them onto other people um, that's not necessarily uh, responsible. So I like to say we're all emotional landmines um, in, in one sense that we can, somebody can step on something in our lives and we blow up in a sense, whether it's internal or external, um, because it connects to a past trauma. Um, how can we navigate those things and be aware of our own emotional landmines? Because I think a lot of people, we don't do the self-awareness work. So we're not even able to communicate our triggers um, for people to be cognizant of them. And then when we when they do step on those emotional landmines, we blow up and like, you got to get out of my life um, versus being res- taking ownership of my triggers are my responsibility and I can't impose those on other people. Um, how, how would you help people navigate through that? Just for in a position, like why would a person think that? You said what, I, your phone, it broke up a little bit. Why do you think a person would feel like they were you said it, like they didn't want to impose on the other person by sharing maybe what their triggers and traumas were. You're saying people feel that way? No, I'm saying that s- some people don't even know what their their triggers are, so they can't always communicate them. Um, but it makes the relationship hard to navigate if the other person is unaware, but it is a trigger for another person. Absolutely. Yes, I think... I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think self-awareness is absolutely key. Uh, if you're not willing to do the self-work and know you, like yourself and what makes up your story and when you are doing life with a person and you realize that like you, you're, the landmine has been triggered, <laughs> so to speak, did, like looking at that and having having that conversation and really working through that I think is is the best thing to do versus stuffing it or being like, oh, it's not a big deal or whatever. Um, the, front, the front end of your, your question or what you were sharing, I think the, the secret or the key is really just to be willing to have the conversation. If a, if, if a person finds themselves triggered by something, I think language like, hey, what's going on right now? Like, can we talk about it? Like, talk to me, um, help me understand what's going on right now. Like, where are you at? Like conversation and questions that pull out of the other person that you want, like communicate to the other person that you want to understand where they are right now and how they're feeling. But a lot of us don't honestly have the emotional intelligence to really know. Sometimes we feel some kind of way, which is a term that has been coined (laughs) in the culture. It's like, I just, I just feel some kind of way. Well, that's not enough. So you're going to have to dig a little deeper and get yourself an emotion, emotion wheel or something, Google an emotions wheel, a feelings wheel or something that will show you a list of words, maybe in certain categories that will help you to understand like, okay, I'm feeling some kind of way, I'm really feeling sad. I'm feeling sad because I'm disappointed or I'm disappointed because I was 
you know what I'm saying? Like I was thrown off or whatever. You get what I mean? And so having the conversation and doing that self-work is, is key. I think some of that comes through therapy, counseling, being in community with people who will ask you the questions, like ask you tough questions, um, ask you to go beneath the surface um, in conversation. A lot of people are having conversations, but they're not saying nothing. A lot of people are having conversations that are very surface, but nobody's really encouraging other people to like, oh, help, help me understand that some more. Like, tell me the story behind that. Give me the backstory to how we got here, you know what I mean? Or why you think this. Um, so yeah, conversation. Again, whether with a licensed professional or, or just people who are intentional in your community, uh, they're not equal, but you know, I think it's a start. Um, so. I'm going to try to put the, uh, I have like the emotion wheel because I just shared it with a friend. There we go. On the screen. But um, it. it is very helpful because I, had, I hadn't seen it till recently. And I was just like, oh, snap, this is really helpful. Um, it shows you, and it's in front of my face right now, but it shows you the different uh, ways in which what you feel, it goes like anger to you let down, humiliated, and then do you feel betrayed? Is this the one you're talking about? Yep, that's like you can start off with these this the center of the circle. So the center of the circle is usually what people can have. Like, I just feel angry, right? <laughs> but it's like, but why are you angry? Right? It's like, well, I feel let down by this person. Like I had an experience an expectation for them to come through and they didn't. So now I'm pissed, right? But then you can even go further. And it's like, you felt let down by them. Did that feel like betrayal? Do you feel resentment towards them? You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, so it really helps you like dig in, like I'm angry or I'm mad, but it's really because I'm I'm jealous or, you know what I'm saying? Like I've, I've been distant because I'm angry. You know what I mean? So I've, withdrew, I've been withdrawing, you know what I mean? Or I just don't feel anything right now. I'm numb. So again, words that aren't always at the front of our minds to use, but a feelings will, will help you kind of start with maybe words you do have and really dig for those other words. So I love, I love feelings wheels. But that, that's just a part of growing your self-awareness and, and having healthy habits in your life that help you um, navigate that inner work. Again, like living transparently before people like, hey, let me let me expose things that you ultimately wouldn't know or see unless I shared them with you. So that's, I think it's extremely helpful because I think we don't understand our own emotions. Sometimes we're like, why am I mad? Like what happened that made me so mad? And then you realize it reminds me of a, I'm disappointed because it reminds me of a past disappointment or something else. And then you're able to connect the dots. And then once you, process that then you can pull out okay I'm disappointed this made me feel like this but is it the same so this made me feel the same disappointment I felt in this other situation this is this the same situation because often our emotions will lump uh, situations and scenarios together that might not go together um, but if we don't think through it and do that processing then you won't have you know you won't be able to differentiate and you'll say, well, you let me down just like this person. And then, then it becomes a whole thing. And then the relationship is, is severed because we didn't do the work. Um, and like you're, like you were saying in the beginning, I think we have to, we have to realize that friendships are worthy of the work that we put into the romantic relationships. 
Absolutely. Perfectly said. Friendships are also worthy of the work uh, that we that we put into our other relationships. And I don't again, if, if people think about it, like in order to make any relationship work and function and flow and thrive, like it, none of it happens organically. I'm not saying stuff that might not start organic, like. Oh, there is a vibe here. Like, again, with the culture right now, vibes are everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it's a vibe. People are cutting people off because the vibe is shifted. And I'm like, my God. Like, <laughs> I'm like, my God. That doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you do realize that nothing sustains the same vibe forever. Like, it, it just doesn't make any sense. But I think that's just a lack of awareness and maturity for how life actually works. Like, life actually just ebbs and flows itself. You know, and if you're always expecting for life and people to be the same, stay the same, never like you're just you're going to find yourself disappointed. Um, and, I, and I honestly think that's just the narrative that people are being fed every day, that we have the ability to maintain a state of whatever it is like forever. And that's that's not true. Um and again, I, I believe that we're able to like have joy in every circumstances. You know, every circumstance, obviously, like that's something that the Lord gives us. You know what I mean? Um, and if we're looking to Him, like we can find that in Him because He is constant. But in this life thing, in this other people thing, yeah, no, nah, that thing gonna be up and down, rocky, any given day because we're just this, we're people, and that's just how it works. So, yeah, yeah, friendships are worthy of the work. So as we think about relationships, most people that are watching this might say, well, I'm married. I have children. Um, I hear what you're saying. But in undergrad, it was a little bit more easier. High school was easier. At work, I have friends because I have to be with them every day. And they don't, you know, after nine to five, we really don't do life. Um, I go to church. But it's, you know, by the time I get my kids out of um children's ministry uh by the time me and my husband get out to get out we just trying to get food because sunday is our only day kids got games on saturdays um sunday's our only day to rest we barely made it to church we almost streamed how am i supposed to have relationships with all this going on um it it seems impossible for the average person like they get it for people like me that are single, but then they're like, man, I don't have the time and bandwidth for relationships. What What are you? What would you uh, advise them? How would you advise them? You want to know my, on, my honest answer is you need to change your priorities uh, because you have, we have, we all make the decision to prioritize and invest in what we want to invest in. I think, when a person can say that their life is completely consumed by things and activities and running and ripping and doing, but they don't feel like they have the bandwidth or the capacity to really know other people or be known by other people, that to me is a problem. And I think that that, again, feeds into this narrative that we have to be busy, we have to be going, we have to be doing. It's all about you know, success and my kids success and what they're doing and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but where, where's the value of relationship and all of that? And is it, and should we be doing all of those things in the context of relationship with other people? So let's say your kids are going to be doing sports and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. Do you know the other moms? Do you know the other parents? You get what I'm saying? Like, are you being intentional about building those relationships with them since y'all are in the same place all the time? You get what I'm, does that make sense what I'm saying? Um, like if you have to see these people every weekend or so, like, are you, being intentional to know them and to be known by them. You know what I mean? Like, because especially as a, as a Christian, like 
that's an opportunity for us to like let our light shine. But if if we feel like we're consumed with, and again, this this <laughs> I want to tread lightly because if I let it out, people are gonna be like, oh, she raw. But you know, it's, it's this it's this idea of like if you feel like you're, the majority of your life is consumed with a car, like because you're just so busy, like driving people to this and driving people to that. I drove work. I came home, I drove my kids, and I came. And I'm like, again, if majority of your life is spent in a car, if majority of your life is spent at a function, if majority, and you don't feel known by anyone, and you don't feel like you really know anyone except for the people who are in your house, I do not think that that, that is healthy, is what I would say. So I think we've just bought into a narrative that doesn't allow people to have lives that prioritize relationships with other people. And I think that that is the whole point for why we are here to have a relationship with God and a relationship with other people. And if you don't feel like you can have relationships with other people because you're doing too much, then I would say do less and have more relationships with, <laughs> with people or create space and be, or be more intentional in the things that you're doing and make more connections. Like we have the ability to be more connected to people than we ever have before. Yet people are the most, like are the loneliest that they ever have been before. But yet they the busiest and they making the most money than they ever have before. A matter of priority, you really need to have the conversation around what are, what is priority in my life. What have I made priority in my life? What needs to change and be and, and adjust? I think that's helpful um, because I think most people will use that as an excuse not to have a relationship. But as you pointed out, this is a, a culture that feels very lonely, and in relationship, even married people feel lonely. Um, they married with kids still feel lonely. Um, and then when their kids are older, because they haven't prioritized relationships, once their kids are gone, they have no, nothing else. Um, if they lose the spouse, they have nothing else. If the spouse dies or there's divorce, nothing else to fall back on because they didn't prioritize relationships. And it's very hard to form relationships when you're older versus when you're younger. Um, because it takes a level of, like you said, intentionality that most people, uh, don't, don't prioritize. Um, what would be some tips? Um, the Bible says he who desires friends must first show himself, himself or herself friendly. Um, outside of that, what are, what are some tips, um, that you would, that you would give? Um, let me, yes. So two things I can, I'm gonna give you the tips, but let me just speak to the, the being married thing. I think there's a huge misconception, um, that as you, Get, okay, so we spent all of our life wanting to be married, right? We was gonna save all of our intentionality and our, you know, being, you know, willing to work through the hard stuff for this one romantic relationship. Then people get married and they build their whole life around their spouse, and their spouse becomes their best friend, their community, whatever. And I'm not saying your spouse can't be best friend. If your spouse is best friend, great. But that's it, though. It's just like me and my spouse, and we, it's us against the world, and we gonna take over. And I'm like, yeah, here's the thing. Um, a man cannot provide everything that a woman needs socially and relationally, and a woman cannot provide everything a man needs socially and relationship, relationally. That man needs some brothers, and that woman needs some sisters. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we need to be thriving in other relationships outside of just our spouse. So, yes, I agree wholeheartedly. And, and I think I've given that, I've, I've said what I've just said as a way of kind of exposing people kind of get trapped into this place of loneliness in the context of marriage because you've put all of your stock energy and effort into this one 
relationship. And I'm not saying marriage doesn't require work and time. And I am not trying to belittle marriage or like not give it the esteem that it should have. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, however, comma, <laughs> I will say that we need other people um, for so many other reasons. And so I would, I, I would just say that if you are in a, in the context of a marriage, and you feel like maybe there's and I'm not saying it has to even be anything wrong with your marriage. Like y'all are thriving. You're living your best life, right? I would still say you need to be more it need to be intentional about finding other relationship dynamics. Cause I do think the Bible points out that we should have older women in our life. They should be teaching the younger women how to love their husbands. So it's assuming that like even if you are married, you've got an older woman in your life who are uh investing in you, right? You need people to peer. You need your Barnabases. You need your people who are going to encourage you. I don't think that, again, our spouse can always carry the hat, uh, every single hat. You get what I mean? Um, if you think about the, how the Bible talks about how a brother is born for adversity, but if there is a... Uh, ooh, am I quoting that right? A friend that sticks closer than a brother. Yeah, and a friend, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So, I, again, there's 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 space for your your siblings and your family. But again, there's importance. It, there's a distinction between that and friendship. Right. And so going getting into like the tips, um, I'd say if a person is trying to figure out, like, what does it look like to make friends as an adult? What does it look like to just be intentional? I would say just start with where you are. Look at the people who you find yourself coming in contact with regularly. So if you're a Christian, and you're going to church every Sunday. You got a whole group of people you could just start with there. You don't even have to go to like the grocery store and like try to be random. Like you don't have to do that. Like start where you are. Um, the places that you find yourself frequenting and other people are also frequenting those places. So work, church, um, a workout group, um, something, a club, a sorority, fraternity, whatever. Like somewhere where people gather often, I would say look look there first and try to be, in be intentional with those people by putting yourself out there and speak, just speaking. You would be surprised how many people don't speak because they don't have to, you know what I mean? You got your phone, you walk into an establishment, you can find your whole situation, your head down and you looking into your device. And so lift, putting your device away just to look up, make eye contact with a person and speaking starts a lot of great conversations. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like asking a person like, hey, how are you? You know what I mean? Like giving the, op the other person an opportunity to respond. Great story connection, right? Um, I have this whole, I wouldn't call it curriculum, but I have like tons of resources that talk about like tears and friendship. You know, you start, everybody is a stranger until you're not, right? But you move from stranger to the next tier by just having information about people. You will be surprised how many people don't even know people's whole names. You know what I'm saying? Like learning somebody's name, learning what their interests are, where do they work, what do they do? Like those are all basic questions that you can ask somebody just upon first meeting them. You don't have to dive into like what is your deepest sin struggle? Like you don't have to start there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like what is like what what translation of the Bible are you like? What do you you know what I'm saying? Like exegeting from the like it don't have to be all of it. Like just what should I like oh you married you have kids oh tell me about your kids talk about your family like again showing yourself friendly that verse that you quoted um but then when there's an opportunity for you to share practicing I think is really what ties people together. Can you repeat that starting that last point? It, it kind of lost reception a little bit. I would say that the, that practicing vulnerability is really where deep connection is formed. So again, you've got strangers and you've got um, 
I would say compatriots and comrades and you know what I'm saying like or what people would say like you got friends and then associates and then you're in a circle and all that stuff but the vulnerability piece I think is really the distinction um, if you think about what Jesus said to the disciples he says I no longer call you um, slaves but friends because I have I have told you every single thing that my father has told to me there's this aspect of like when you're friends with someone you are willing to divulge to them information about your most intimate, deep things, right? Um, not just giving them facts and figures because that's what you do with strangers, right? And so I think when there's an opportunity to practice vulnerability, I think when people take those opportunities, that is an opportunity for connection. So somebody does what they're supposed to do and they say, hey, how are you? Like, how's your day? If your day was awful, say your day was awful. <laughs> Don't just be, oh, it was good. Like, oh, it was cool which is what people do. They function on this surface level. But again, if you're, if somebody's like, man, I'm really trying to figure out what it's like to connect with other people. Well, one, just be intentional by asking questions and putting yourself out there. But then when you have the opportunity to like practice vulnerability and don't just be open and give people facts or honest and be giving people facts, but do a step more and, and let them see into something that they wouldn't see unless you told them. And so say, actually today was a horrible day and I'm extremely disappointed in my boss, <laughs> you know, or, completely, I feel like I want to quit today because my boss was tripping. You know what I mean? Like, and that if the other person is willing to meet you in that vulnerability, then they will say, oh, what happened? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, tell me, tell me what happened. How do you feel about that? Does that make sense what I'm saying? So I don't think it's super deep. I think it's just intentional. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the steps are simple, but you have to be intentional about taking the steps. One of the videos that I saw that you did that I thought was very good was the difference between intimacy and honesty. Um, I think that was the one. Uh, can you share a little bit? Because I think that's super, super helpful. Yep. So when you're trying to think about what's the difference between uh, honesty versus vulnerability. So um, you're, you start with honesty. OK, so the, the illustration that I'll give is that of a, um, a house like biting. Yeah, uh -huh, the house. So somebody says, hey, where do you live? You say, oh, I live here. You were honest with them. You gave them the facts and the information that they needed in order to know where your house was. Then they come to your house and they ring the doorbell. If you open the door and let them across the threshold, that is practicing openness. So you can be honest and give people facts and figures. You can be open by letting people in to you. So how was your day? Oh, my day was rough. That was an open response, right? Um, and honest. So now the person has crossed the threshold of your house. They're standing in the front area. Um, you can practice transparency by giving them a tour. So you are like, oh, this is the living room, this is the kitchen, our guest room is here, all that kind of stuff. Um, and maybe the doors to the guest room and all that kind of stuff are open and you're walking them through the house. So somebody says, how was your day? Uh, my day was rough. <clears throat> Why? Um, I, my boss uh, pulled us into a meeting and dropped like a huge bomb about how every, people are about to be laid off in three weeks. That's being very transparent. You're allowing them to see through to something that they wouldn't see unless you showed it to them. So you're giving that person a tour of what the situation is. But when you are vulnerable, you don't just show people the rooms in the house that are put together. You don't just show them the map of the house or the format of the house, like the rooms with the door shut. You're saying, here's my bathroom. I'm not just going to show you the guest bathroom, but here's my bathroom. Here's my closet. Here's the closet that we just throw everything in that's not pretty and perfect. Like, that is being vulnerable when you're exposing the things that aren't pretty and perfect and polished and put together. You're, you're exposing something that gives people the ability to hurt you if they know it. And so your answer 
how was your day? Um, why? Boss called everybody in, so we said we were gonna all gonna be laid off in three weeks. Vulnerability says, and I'm tripping and like super anxious about that or stressed out about that because we've already been living paycheck to paycheck, and I don't know if I get laid off from this job, I don't know where income is going to come from. And that is already causing stress between me and my spouse. And that's already like, you're, you're really kind of exposing like yourself um, and going a step further, like the frustration and stress that I've been experiencing, I'm bringing home and I'm being and I'm a wife and I'm you know, like, that is vulnerability. And again, exposing those things that you don't want anybody to see because that's not pretty and perfect. People understand you getting laid off and that, and you know what I'm saying? And that happens and that's hard. But they don't see how you respond to that news and how and the and the negative ripple effects that come with that. But you being willing to go there with somebody gives them an opportunity to be gracious and understanding and compassionate, or gives them the opportunity to be completely critical and judgmental towards you. Again, because I, I say this all the time, the exact same formula for being loved is the exact same formula for being egregiously hurt. <laughs> like vulnerability in a relationship dynamic will bring people closer than close, but it can also create the deepest wounds because the pure definition of vulnerability in and of itself is, is the root word is vulnerable, vulnerable, vulnerable. I don't know how to say it, which means to wound. So that someone can wound you because like they can hurt you as a result of knowing the information that you've shared, then that in and of itself is not vulnerability. You might be being honest and open and transparent, but you're not being vulnerable. That's why when people are vulnerable, like, oh, they're vulnerable, we need to cover them, protect them. You know what I'm saying? But vulnerability is the key to intimacy in any relationship. You cannot have a deep, committed, intimate relationship with anybody, yet, but be covered and guarded in some way. When you are completely exposed and vulnerable and your like arms are like wide open in that thing, that is the most intimate connection that two people can have. Um, but yeah, I've gotten off. <laughs> no, but that's helpful. I think that helps people because I think most people have been vulnerable to a point and that's why they don't enter relationship because they've been hurt. And I think one of the most helpful things to realize is that if you're vulnerable with a person, nine times out of 10, they're going to hurt you. 99%, a hundred percent of the time. I'm not even going to say nine because we're, we're not perfect. So it's going to come back up in an argument. It's going to be something that's said not even intentionally. It might be unintentional. It might be intentional. That is the cost of vulnerability, that you're going to be hurt. And I think people go into relationships most times looking not to be hurt when they share vulnerability. And that's just not the reality. I'm not married, but I'm pretty sure that it's going to happen in marriage. It's pretty. I'm pretty sure that... Um, it happened. Well, I'm, I'm sure it happens with family. I'm sure it happened. And I know it happens with, with friendships. Um, so the, the probability that you won't be hurt once you've been vulnerable by the same person that you trusted that demonstrated quality character um, is very, very, it's just an unrealistic expectation. So I think we have to be uncomfortable with being hurt because it's just going to happen because we're fallen people and we're going to make a mistake. Oh, absolutely. And and a person might hear you say that and say, well, then what the heck is the point of being vulnerable if you're telling me that it's only going to result in hurt and disappointment and people are going to let me down? Like, why I live that way? And I think you have to also highlight the benefit of and the amount of freedom that comes with being vulnerable. Like, 
being like like fully known because you have laid it all out there and finding acceptance, like the other side of the other person who has seen your vulnerability and your complete exposure and everything, your junk, everything just laid out. And that person looks you in the eye and says, I love you and I still want to walk with you and I still want to like do life with you and be your friend and love you forever or whatever it might be. That is why people get married. Cause they're, cause they're like, Oh, you want to love me in spite of all of that? Like, well then I want to give, give myself to you in the, in the highest way possible. Right. Which for between a guy and a girl are, is marriage. Right. But in friendship, it, it can be that way too. We see that kind of intimacy and connection in the scriptures. We see it with Jesus in the three, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, in, well, with his disciples in general, but with the three that were closest to him, we see that with Jonathan David, we see that with Ruth and Naomi, we see that with, um, with, with, with tons of relationships. And so, but people aren't living, like that is not, that, that type of a love, unconditional and acceptance is not just reserved for marriage. It should be how one, the, the body of believers should be relating to one another. Jesus says like, hey, they will know you. They will know me by the love that you show one another. That love is not conditional love. The love is completely unconditional. And it's a full acceptance of one another's sins and flaws. And we're bearing with one another. We're bearing, you know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're being gracious to one another. We're bearing one another's burdens. There's forgiveness. There's trust being accepted. Like there's reconciliation, all that stuff. And so, but that's not actually playing itself out in the context of friendship with people. People are reserving all of that just for this one relationship over here called marriage. And I just think that that's, again, it's not, it's not what it's meant to be. And honestly, if you ain't practiced it in friendship, good luck trying to just jump into that thing in marriage. Because listen, marriage is like the real deal. Like, the, like everything goes up a million in marriage. <laughs> you thought you was hurting your friendship? Listen, same exact thing can happen in marriage and it's going to weigh on you way different. Uh, because again, the, that covenant relationship is... Is different. Your friend can lie to you, and you can be pissed about it, and in a minute place. But when your spouse lie to you, it just hit different. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you have not been practicing forgiveness and working through difficult stuff, and, and accepting people unconditionally, and letting people practice vulnerability in front of you. How the heck do you think you're just gonna pick it up as soon as you say, "I do"? Again, why people don't stay married because they ain't been practicing it in their friendships. To be honest, that's what I think. Cause I'm like, if two, like, if you have been, yeah, that's so not gonna. <laughs> I think that's helpful. My friend yes, BJ, who uh, leads Build a Better Us, he says that he could tell more about uh, people by the way they treat their friends than the way they treat their spouse. And I asked him why. He said because in romantic relationships, there's a sense of. I got to make this work because I've committed. People know I'm committed. I have children. But the real character, he says, comes out with how they treat their friends who they feel like is more disposable. And so how you treat them reveals more about your character than how you treat your spouse. So he says when he looks at people, he looks at how their other relationships function before he looks at their marriage. Um, Absolutely. And I love BJ. I love everything, like what he's doing. And I think that if you want a dating tip, <laughs> when you go to date somebody, you need to look and see what other relationships like for that very, very, that very um, point right there. Because when if they don't have French friends, then it's not looking good. <laughs> so I would, I would agree with everything you just said and that people should also take that in consideration when they are looking for a spouse, when they are dating someone. How does this person friend circles look and how do they treat those people?
That's helpful. I think this has been a very rich conversation and a helpful conversation for those who um, are listening. What would be your final uh, admonishment um, to, to people who are listening? How can people get in contact with you and how can they get connected to the resources you said? Um, uh, I think you have a class or something as well on this um, and people can book you to speak on this. So all of that information, your last words, how people get in contact with you and your services that you offer. Yes, so I would just say my, my last words um, to you is to remember it is not a hard conversation, it's a hard conversation. It's a tagline that I use um, on all of my content because I believe that people make excuses for having conversations because it's uncomfortable and it's hard, but if you can reset your mentality and your thinking to it not, and not just about it being difficult, but to it's honest, it's elephantized, it's authentic, it's real, it's transparent, that's the kind of conversation that I'm having, then I think it will act as a catalyst and maybe a little extra boost for you to like really go there when it comes to the conversations you're having with people. Um, yeah, because you need deep, we were we were made for deep, meaningful connections, not just with God, but with other people and not just with our spouses and our boos and our bays, but with our friends, with our coworkers, with 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 people. Um, it's an opportunity for people to see Christ through us in our relationships. And so um, and I would encourage you to be intentional about the relationships that you have. If you're in a lonely space right now, dig in, lean in, you know, what I mean, like find just one person that you feel like you can you can be intentional with and, and start there. So uh, that would kind of just be my last bit of encouragement. Um, as far as where you can find me, if you want to hear more of this foolishness that I've been talking, no, I'm just kidding. If you, wanna, if you want to hear anything that I'm doing, you can go to any social media platform and type in Heart Convos. So that's H-E-A-R-T-C-O-N-V-O-S. Um, so Facebook, Heart Convos, YouTube, Heart Convos. Instagram is Heart underscore Convos, but either way, you, you'll find me there. Um, <clears throat> um, you can always go to heartcombos.com if you want to just have access to everything that I do. She said um, that I have a class and a course and things. I do have a 14-day uh, friendship challenge that you probably want to start there. So if you're interested in, you're like, oh, I want to be more intentional in friendship. What does that look like? I have a 14-day friendship challenge that you can um, find at heartcombos.com. It's right there at the top um, as soon as you, you, you go to the site. And so it's 14 days of straight video content and worksheets and a membership site where you can go in and really walk this thing through for 14 days. And at the end of that 14 days, I promise that you will either um, know how to make friends how to mend broken relationships or how to maintain the friendships that you already have. So um, that's one of the resources. You can get merch there. You can get, you can find my TED talk. You can find other talks that I've done. Um, over the holiday, I did a short film. It's 10 minutes. It's called Holiday Heart Combo. So if you want to watch that, it's on YouTube. Um, but yeah, I, that, that's me. That's where you can find me. So heart combos everywhere. Thank you so much, KB. This has been a very helpful conversation and I think we've you've given practical tools for our listeners to have these heart convos to be better friends to to help uh reconcile uh friendships um so I'm thankful that you've been a part of the podcast with us uh, before we go there's some products that we have that you can see above our, our curriculum through eyes of color um right there, um, that is available on Amazon, our online course you could take through Eyes of Color, um, and also our merch that's right there. Um, and all of this 
there's easy links at g3project.org that you can see at the top. So make sure you check those out. We are so thankful for you listening and you can donate to the G3 Project at g3project.org as well by hitting the donate tab. Um, remember here at the G3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.jew3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well so thank you so much for tuning in also remember we have our bible engagement app in partnership with back to the bible to help you get better engaged in the bible every single day you take a survey it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you bible verses based on those so it's a great app you can download the app by searching in your app store or google play searching g3 project and it'll be right there for you so thank you again remember if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver you can do so on our website or by mail just go to g3project.com hit that donate tab and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online we appreciate you and i'm so so thankful for you God bless. And remember, here at the Jupe 3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.